Come spend an afternoon or the entire day with the lovable Ewoks. Where is my limo? Good. Okay, come on, guys. And now, ladies and gentlemen, while you are a captive audience, a display of tremendous tap dancing talent with the added cultural component of... W... Welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. Thanks for tuning in once again. This is show number 69 for the week of June 1st, 2008. I'm your host, Lou Mangiello, coming to you this and every week, bringing you the very best ways to enjoy and enhance your Walt Disney World vacation experience. In this week's Walt Disney World news, I'll discuss a new marathon coming to Walt Disney World in 2009, another way to bring some Disney magic to your iPod, and a new set of DVDs coming from Imagineering this fall. My visit to the Walt Disney World rumor mill hints at a new way to purchase Disney theme park items right from your home, parade changes coming to the Magic Kingdom, and possible confirmation of the Star Tours rumors. Speaking of Star Tours, Star Wars Weekends begins on June 6th and runs through the month, so I wanted to discuss the events, the different elements that make up each weekend, and how to get the most out of all of them, whether you're a Star Wars super fan or not. So I brought in George Darth Sidious Taylor and Glenn Grandmarf Tarkin Whalen to pull up a chair in the cantina and join me in a roundtable discussion about the weekend's events. Steve Barrett and I trek through Conservation Station and Rafiki's Planet Watch hunting hidden Mickeys, including the elusive one that can be found on a live animal as well. I'll answer more of your emails this week, including questions on Illuminations, the Epcot 25th exhibit, strollers, and more. Listen for more voicemails at the end of the show, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. In Walt Disney World news this week, there's not a lot of news coming out of the theme parks, but I did get some interesting news items from some listeners this week. The first comes from Shane Grizzard from Snellville, Georgia. He wrote to me and said that he was just surfing iTunes and found out that the recent Travel Channel's Season of Disney specials are now available, as well as other Walt Disney World specials from the Travel Channel. He said that it's great for a fan that can't get down to the parks, and it's a great way to get your fix until your next trip. Now, the season of Disney is $14.99, and individual shows, which run about an hour each, are just $1.99. You can find these by visiting the iTunes store and just doing a search for Season of Disney or Travel Channel. Disney Dame gave me two pieces of news this week. The first is from her recent visit to the World Science Festival in New York City that I talked about a couple of weeks ago on the show. She gave a quick recap and review and says, quote, The New York City World Science Festival was fantastic. The presentation, The Science of Disney Imagineering, was superb. There were a number of Imagineers there, from engineering and coaster design to special effects, fireworks and computer science, as well as our friend Dr. Ann Savage, who you might remember from Disney's Animal Kingdom, who was on the show not too long ago. She also said there was a special guest appearance by Crush 
and Lucky the Dinosaur, though he was from a video link from the street fair portion of the event. She said the presentation was spot-on perfect for the audience and the event. Everybody left with a cool Imagineering notebook, and many of the kids got t-shirts and or other goodies. She explained how some secrets were revealed without giving too much away, like how they do the new cool ghost host effect in the stretching room of the Haunted Mansion, as well as a demonstration and explanation of it in layman's terms. She said, quote, The ticket to the show was definitely the best $12 I've spent in a while. But she did go on to say that on the back of her nifty Imagineering notebooks, there was a link for Disney Educational Productions. That's DisneyEducation.com slash Imagineering. I'll put that link in the show notes this week. And on the site, you'll see there's an announcement for all new DVDs available fall 2008. And she says if they are based on this kind of presentation, they should be excellent. And when you go to the site, you'll see that there are concept drawings for roller coasters and some ride vehicles. So it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of Imagineering DVDs we could look for later on this year. And our intrepid roving reporter Disney Dame also let me know about a new link over at StarWars.com which talks about and shows some of the merchandise planned for Star Wars weekends this month. Like last year, and as rumored on the show a couple of months ago, there are four amazing new large-scale Disney Star Wars big figs. It is going to be Mickey as Anakin, Minnie as Queen Amidala, Goofy as Jar Jar, and Donald as Darth Maul. There's also going to be uh, small PVC figures, including an addition of Stitch as Yoda. The website also goes on to say that there's a bunch of non-event Disney-exclusive Star Wars merchandise that's becoming available throughout the year. You can click on a link there for a slideshow of just some of the items that are going to be coming to Star Wars Weekends this year. And uh, don't worry, there's plenty more Star Wars Weekends geeky goodness coming on later in the show so be sure and stay tuned. I'll put a link up in the show notes over to StarWars.com to the exact landing page so you can take a look at some of the merchandise being offered. Other news coming from Walt Disney World is that the inaugural 2009 Disney's Princess Half Marathon Weekend is going to bring women of all ages together to participate in a magical event designed just for them. The princesses are now the inspiration for the weekend's events and are going to focus on the attributes every princess possesses, commitment, Courage, determination, fantasy, perseverance, and strength. And every woman is a princess. And Aunt Disney asks, which princess are you? The Half mar- Marathon Weekend opened for registration earlier last month. And I'll put a link up to the Disney World Sports page where you can get more information about the events. The events are going to take place from March 6th through 8th, 2009. And it would include the Fit for a Princess Expo, the Princess Half Marathon, the Princess 5K, and the Princess Kids Races. And here's a little bit of information about each of those. The Princess Half Marathon registration fee is $120, but that includes two-person team entries, whether it be mother-daughter, sister-sister, and an open division. That event's going to start at 6 a.m. Sunday, March 8th, 2009. It's going to ask ladies to start their engines at the Richard Petty Speedway. After a quick lap around the Speedway, they're going to make their way to Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park, Disney's Hollywood Studios, and then finally make their way to Epcot for a finish, quote, fit for a princess. That The $120 fee includes your registration, a commemorative t-shirt, goodie bag, transportation, bib, a family reunion area with live entertainment and characters, and all half marathon finishers are going to receive a very special Princess Tiara medal. Also, one thing, if you're a previous marathoner, it's a new course. Like I said, it's going to include the Richard Petty Speedway, Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, and Epcot. On the site, you'll also have the opportunity to purchase tickets for Mickey's Pirate and Princess Party for runners, family, and friends for a sort of post-race party that they're going to have later on that night. 
As I said, the other races are the Princess Family 5K, that's $40, and the Disney Princess Kids races, which are just $10. Again, I'll put a link up over to the Disney site where you can get more information and register for these events. Because there wasn't a lot of news coming out of Walt Disney World this week, we're going to go ahead and move right on over into the Walt Disney World rumor mill. And the first rumor is about something that takes place sort of outside the parks, but is going to be a welcome addition to theme park fans like myself, who just can't get enough of the theme park merchandise and souvenirs, and more importantly, sometimes regret not picking up that one last thing that we missed or forgot to bring home for somebody on the way out. So it seems as though that DisneyShopping.com, the website, is currently working with Walt Disney World, and get this, to start selling theme park merchandise directly from the Disney.com websites. So at some point in the future, it's expected that you should be able to browse the Disney website and shop for merchandise direct from the parks. Over in the Magic Kingdom, the Liberty Square Bridge coming from the hub has had some tarps and braces placed below the bridge in recent months, which has been fueling a variety of rumors. Now, my sources have told me that, in fact, the bridge is set to be removed and replaced in its entirety at or near the end of the busy summer season. No big deal, though, as there are plenty of entrances to Liberty Square, you say, right? But what about the parades that follow that route through Liberty Square to and from the backstage areas of Frontierland near Splash Mountain? That's where the problem really lies. Well, from what I understand, plans are being finalized now to alter both the Disney Dreams Come True Afternoon Parade and the Spectral Magic Parade. How? Well, the parades are going to be shortened and are now going to leave and return to and from the backstage area in Town Square on Main Street USA right next to the car barn. The parades are going to leave from the car barn area, slowly make their way up Main Street, wind their way around the hub, and return to the same backstage area. Now, because the parades are going to be shortened in time and likely in length, they're each going to run not just once per day, but twice, giving people more opportunity to see the shortened shows. Now, currently, Main Street USA cast members are already testing these plans after the parks close, and they're still working out some of the logistics, meaning that the plan may be altered as necessary, depending on how those tests go. But definitely look for the bridge to Liberty Square to be closed in the next few months and changes to the parade route coming as a result of that. Over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, we've been talking for literally what seems like years about the rumors of the Star Tours upgrade and the Star Tours 2.0. I've talked about it last week. I'm talking about it again, obviously, this week. But it seems as though the cat might officially, quote-unquote, be out of the bag because Industrial Light and Magic's Hayden Landis, who is the computer graphics supervisor on the latest Indiana Jones film, talked in a recent CNET.com interview this week not just about his work on the Lucasfilm special effects and Indiana Jones, but near the end of the article it says, next up for Landis is another nostalgia-oriented project, a redo of the Star Tours ride at Disneyland. Now that, coupled with Anthony Daniels some time ago talking about doing new voiceover work for C-3PO for Star Tours, plus some of the other rumors that we've heard, seems to maybe solidify this rumor, and my guess would be that sometime either late this summer or this fall, maybe around the time that the American Idol experience opens, That's when I would expect Star Tours to probably go down for what's appearing to be a relatively major refurbishment. Of course, as I hear anything else or we get an official word for Disney, I'll report it here on the show. But in the meantime, if you are or were a fan of Star Tours and you're heading down to Disney's Hollywood Studios, I would definitely suggest getting what may be one of your last rides on this classic attraction. That's all the news and rumors I have for this week. To comment on anything, you can visit the forums over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. 
If you have any news or rumors that you want to share, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com or you can call the voicemail at 206-202-4WDW. In just a couple of weeks, a transformation is going to come over Walt Disney World, and specifically Disney's Hollywood Studios, unlike any other time of year. Because unlike the holidays, or food and wine, or even Halloween, the month of June brings a completely new element to the studios each weekend. It's going to become home to a month-long celebration of the Star Wars movie saga, and includes everything from celebrity appearances, limited edition merchandise, trivia contests, Star Tours, ride dancing stormtroopers, and so much more. But more importantly, it brings together legions of rabid fans from around the world, like myself, who are children of a generation that fell in love with the movies and the characters, as well as Disney. So to say that these weekends are true nirvana is an understatement, and I mean that in a good way. And I'm certainly, like I said, not the only one. So I wanted to bring on two other Disney-slash-Star Wars fans who have enjoyed the weekends in the past, and can help discuss what's going on and how to best enjoy the parks, whether you're a fan of the movies or not. So I want to welcome in George Taylor from Imagine Nerding and Glenn Whalen from the Passamaquoddy blog to the show. Thanks, Lou. Glad to be here. Great to be here. So guys, like I said, I wanted to have you guys come on because you've been to Star Wars weekends in the past, uh, and I really want to talk about how to really plan for the weekend and get the most out of it. Uh, because if you are going to go down there specifically for Star Wars Weekend, you definitely need to have a game plan in mind. And if you're going down and you are not a Star Wars fan, well, we need to sort of tell you when you need to go and what you need to avoid because there are going to be some pretty big crowds. Uh, this is something that started back in 1997. It skipped a couple of years and then has gone on every year since 2000. It's going to be held four consecutive weekends, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, starting June 6th and running through June 29th. I am actually heading down there the first weekend uh, in, in just a couple of weeks, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. But tell us quickly when you guys went and what your experience was like. Glenn and then okay. George, oh. or vice versa. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Glenn. Okay. All right. Uh, I was actually there in uh, 1997, which was, I believe, their first year. Uh, and it was a, a cool experience. It was already a crowded experience, um, and you did have to sort of plan out what you were going to do, or you would find yourself in a sea of nerds that knew what was going on, and you wouldn't know. And you mean nerds as in a good way, not in a, a derogatory <laughs> way, of course. <laughs> uh, for me, it's a good way, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say the person I was with would have said it was in a bad way. (laughs) (laughs) I was able to uh, do the Star Wars weekends in 2004 and found it to be an incredible event. uh, You know, surrounded by nerds, but you know, to each their own. And I thought everybody in the world was a Star Wars fan, Lou, and a Disney fan, right? You know, it. I thought so as well. And like I said, we're all sort of children of the same generation, and I think we're going to find a lot of people as well as a lot of young kids, especially with the new trilogy, who are huge, huge Star Wars fans, so much so that you'll see people there dressed up in costume that are not 
you know, cast members and not part of the entertainment. They're going because they enjoy it so much. And we're going to kind of break down some of the different areas and things, you know, to focus on. Because, like I said, there are celebrities and characters there to meet. There is a lot of, of special merchandise, other special events. There's the Star Tours attraction. And then we'll also talk about some touring tips. But let's really talk about, we were talking about getting dressed up, and maybe that's a good way to start talking about the characters and the celebrities, because that is one of the big draws. Each of the four weekends, Warwick Davis, who was Wick at the Ewok, distant cousin of mine, is the the host all four weekends. But each other weekend has another list of celebrities, of course, subject to change. And that first weekend is Jeremy Bullock. He's Boba Fett. And Daniel Logan, who was the young Boba Fett. The next weekend... This really is the big weekend. This is the one that I would love to go to is Peter Mayhew, who's Chewbacca, and David Prowse, who is Darth Vader. The 20th to the 22nd is Amy Allen. She was Ayla Secura, and Matthew Wood was General, the voice of General Grievous. And the last weekend, new this year, is Dave Filoni. He's the director of the upcoming Star Wars Clone Wars film, and Jake Lloyd, who is Anakin Skywalker. And we'll talk more about what they're going to do to promote the Clone Wars. But now, when you guys went... Did you get online to meet any of the celebrities? Because that's really what you have to do, and we're going to talk now about how you have to really plan for that. Yeah, when we were there in 2004, uh, we got there as early as we could and just were sort of blown away by the amount of people there waiting. Grabbed one of the Times Guide they had prepared just for that weekend and started looking at it and realized you know, we needed to make some decisions about what we wanted to do. And I was with my son at the time, was like six or seven. He was like, I just want to walk around. And uh, the to get somewhere or to see somebody, you really had to nab a fast pass. And they had just started that, I think, that year or the year before we got there. So we just kind of hung out and, you know, stopped uh, the characters as we saw them if we could. But there were already huge lines fairly early in the mornings to meet and greet the characters, the real characters, the ones hosting that weekend. Yeah, if you if, if going to get their autographs or take pictures with them or talk to them, whatever it is, is important to you, then I'm not kidding when I say you need to really get there like 6, 6.30 in the morning to start getting in line to grab a fast pass. Because what they'll do is they'll have three autograph sessions per day. So that'll give you a chance to see all the celebrities. But you'll have to get a fast pass uh, in order. And there's be you'll see there's different lines at the beginning for the celebrities that, that you want to go and see. And if you don't get a fast pass, you can get a sort of standby ticket later on in the day. Uh, which means that if a celebrity finishes a session, they have some extra time, uh, you know, with breaks and everything like that, they still may want to hang around and sign things. But that's not a guarantee that you'll get an autograph. So when we're talking about planning, if cele- if celebrity autographs are important to you, you've got to plan very, very early in the, early in the morning. Absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, when I was there, I wasn't aware of who the uh, celebrities were. I did run into people. Um, roaming around uh, maybe it was because it was a newer thing at the time uh, there were still some roaming people um, you know secondary characters from the films that, that I recognized and, and spoke to but I did not get into a, a, the autograph line yeah because what it'll do like a regular fast pass it'll have a return time for you and the cast members will tell you or it'll be on your guide map where to go but it's usually around uh, the Echo Lake area, and they'll have sort of kiosks set up where the, where the celebrities are signing autographs. But this is actually a good time to make an important point, which is no matter what you're going to do, you've got to show up to the studios very, very early. And there's actually something else that's sort of an added treat when you show up early 
before the gates even open. And uh, why don't you guys talk about the the stormtroopers? <laughs> yeah, that was that's one of the a lot of people talk about that once they've been to a Star Wars weekend, and it really happens early in the day. But right at the entranceway, uh, at the I guess now we have to call it the Disney Hollywood Studios, uh, they have stormtroopers uh, patrolling over your head, basically walking along the entranceway right at the the ticket booths. And uh, I just remember the look of fear in my son's eye, looking up, realizing, wow, there are stormtroopers up there. And <laughs> they pull out people from the crowd and they'll talk to them, you know, harass them, be rather stormtroopery, menacing. I guess not really an adverb. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. Added so much to the ambiance of the day, and uh, just uh, something that we both talk about fondly and remember. Right, and they also have a, a built-in uh, a spiel where where they're discussing discussing their jobs as if they were just cast members. It's very funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, it certainly don't want to try and spoil it, but if for nothing else, get there early to enjoy. Uh, the, the kind of show that's put on for probably 20, 30 minutes before the park opens um, right. up on top of the archways, you know, where, the, where you have your ticket scanned. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention real quickly about the, the character autographs that's important, unlike a regular fast pass, and it's important that you realize you're only going to get one ticket per person. So you can't walk up there and say, well, I'm here for a ticket for my wife and my two kids and my brother and so and so. Everybody who wants to get a fast pass has got to be online. So just just a point that I, I forgot to mention. But there are other characters walking around, even if you don't want to get autographs, in addition just to the Stormtroopers, you'll find 40 or 50 characters just kind of wandering the parks. Um, some primary characters like Darth Maul, Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, as well as some secondary characters like Jedis and Ewoks and, and a lot of Stormtroopers here and there. Yeah, I guess the stormtroopers are so easy. We've got pictures of us with stormtroopers, pictures with Chewbacca, other characters walking by. And it's just treated like any other character meet and greet uh, from any other park. They'll walk the characters out with the handlers and uh, put them in a spot and align forms. And you just wait in line to get your picture taken. Now, some of the uh, some of them, you know, they like to get you to get your thing signed, and then you you head off. But uh, Matthew Wood, who will be there on the the third weekend, I believe, he's actually also like the sound designer for the whole first the new trilogy. So he actually has a lot of cool things to say about where sounds come from and everything. If you ask him a little a brief question about it, he'll give you some cool stories about how certain sounds are made. I just have to make a quick aside here. Considering how long we spoke before we started recording, we've already got 10 minutes in. Neither one of you have g- has given us Star Wars quotas yet. So I'm, really, <laughs> I'm surprised and I'm proud of you. So. <laughs> I'll never find which... a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> no, a more wretched podcast of scum and villainy. We have to keep with the theme. Into the here. garbage chute, flyboy. <laughs> oh, I've got a very bad feeling about this, but <laughs> let's. <laughs> Let's move on. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Yeah, you should. (laughs) (laughs) And it only took 10 minutes to completely fall apart. Yay. (laughs) I have a very bad feeling about this. That one was already used. Move move along. There's tons of other quotes. (laughs) Move along. These aren't aren't the quotes you're looking for. (laughs) I'm sorry, folks. I'm sure it's going to go only downhill from here. (laughs) Aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper? Anyway... The, um, to be a podcaster. Well, there you this go. This is a podcast. Where is the ambassador? 
Oh, this is some rescue. You came in here and you didn't even have a plan for getting out. <laughs> He's the brain, sweetheart. <laughs> All right, please, let's go on and let's talk about some of the special events because this really is what a lot of people come here for above right. and beyond the merchandise, which we'll get to next. And you talk, you know, I, I said at the beginning how the studios really is transformed and you'll see a lot of things, especially on the west side of the park. That's where a lot of the events take place. But you'll also notice the music. You'll hear Star Wars music throughout the parks. You'll see, in addition to the characters, like I said, that are, that are cast and, and costume characters that are brought in for the weekend, you're going to meet a lot of other Disney fans with that same mindset. And again, you'll meet other fans that are totally into it and get dressed up, um, you know, and really like to interact with the other characters. Um, and it's it's fun to almost kind of just sit back and watch some of the other people. Yeah, the uh, this is probably one of the few times the Star Wars weekends, as well as I guess the pirate and princess parties, that you're allowed as an adult to come into the park in costume. Well, the Halloween party as well. So it's a fine time to break out your bathrobe and bring your flashlight. And, you know, <laughs> amateur hour, young man. Come on, whip out the robes. We know you got them. You got the Jedi robes. <laughs> uh, they're at the dry cleaner. Sorry. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, the special events, and there's a number of them that we'll go through. Again, you need to be prepared. You need to know what you want to do before you get there because you're going to want to sign up for certain events that you want to participate in or that you want your kids to participate in. In the past, the desk to sign up has been across from the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular over by Echo Lake. You can register you or your kids, um, you know, for the parade or to get information about other events that are going on. You also want to get a times guide to find out when some of these things are happening. But if there is something you want to sign up for, you've got to get there first thing in the morning. And one of the really popular things that doesn't require signups, and I think we all could admit that we would love to do this, is the Jedi Training (laughs) Academy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, I've walked by that stage many times, and we even walked by the stage in Disneyland thinking, wow, if only if they would <laughs> let me up there. So Yeah, this really gives your, your kid, and again, you must be a kid, not just short, you, give, <laughs> you have a chance to learn some Jedi moves from a Jedi Master, and then you're challenged to test those moves against some of the Siths, like... Darth Vader and or Darth Maul. It's a total, it's a totally random selection process. So my tips to have your your child selected is get there early, a good 20, 30 minutes before. This will be to the left of start of the entrance to Star Tours, the left of the Adat Walker. There is now a permanent stage set up. Get your child up as close to the front as possible. Let him or her be energetic and really enthusiastic about it, and they obviously have a much better chance of getting selected. Right. Yeah, just like being selected for the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular. You just have to wave the arms, jump, be excited, happy to be there, and uh, and you know, hopefully you get picked. So, Or wear a fancy shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, kids, wear a WDW radio shirt, and we guarantee you, you will be picked. <laughs> you, can, you can buy those off the website, right, Lou? <laughs> Is that a <laughs> now? If you go in your WW Radio Jedi robes, then I'll be impressed. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. uh, yeah, that that is something that's very, very, very popular, even 
above and beyond just Star Wars weekend. So if your child wants to do that, um, I would get there as early as possible um, and, and get them up front and, and to the stage. Something else is the Legends of the Force. That's the Star Wars celebrity motorcade that takes place down Hollywood Boulevard. Here, the celebrities and tons and tons of characters come out in this grand style parade. Uh, there's lots of photo opportunities. There's lots of music, lots of chance to meet some of the celebrities above and beyond just the autograph sessions. Have you guys ever had a chance to check this out? I did. I saw that, uh, but it was years ago. It had a different cast of characters were going down the street at the time because it was actually before episode one when I was there. So, Yeah, now yeah. it's really themed towards a, a Jedi slash Sith you know, style of, of cars. Right. Yeah, we saw it in 2004. It was just a lot of fun and just a great way to see all the characters in one shot and you know, what can be better than a Star Wars parade at Disney? Well, anyways. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something new this year, and this is something that I'm going to really try and get over to go and see, is Behind the Force, where you can experience the Clone Wars, and you can really explore the creation of the new feature film called the Experience, Clo- Experience the Clone Wars film. There's going to be a representative there from Lucasfilm and really something they've never done before. They're going to show people for the first time an exclusive clip of the Clone Wars that can only be seen at the studios during Star Wars weekends. Yeah, they have done similar things like that in the past, and one of the things I really wanted to do and miss the opportunity, because once again, you had to get there early enough. You need to know what you're going to do beforehand or what you want to do and pick it. I mean, I just... They had sold all the tickets and weren't letting anybody... Not sold all the tickets, distributed all the tickets... And they weren't letting anybody else in to see it. And I think at that time they were previewing something from, uh, well, I guess that time it was after, but they were doing something with the behind the scenes, something with the, the Clone Wars. I think it was from the, the yeah. animated series. That's probably Yes, that's right. From. Yeah, it was. Yep. It was with the animated series. Mm-hmm. The one on Cartoon Network. Yeah, this is going to take place, again, in the back portion of the studios where the old Hunchback Theater was. Again, very important. Get there early. Get a times guide because this is something that I know, like you said, George, closes up and fills up very, very quickly. Yeah. Again, something else just for kids. We're totally getting the short end of the stick here <laughs> is the Padawan Mind Challenge. Um, this gives you the chance to become a real Padawan learner and get before the Jedi Council. It's only for kids age 11 or 12 or younger. Again, you have to register first thing in the morning at 9 a.m., over by Star Tours. Um, they used to have a trivia contest when the old Millionaire set was up, and unfortunately, that's gone, been gone for the past couple of years where you got to compete playing Millionaire, but with Star Wars trivia. Yeah, that was uh, another thing I didn't get to do. I think you know, people <laughs> should you know, take, take heed to what we're saying, plan what you need and go. I, I mean, we really, we spent the whole day walking around just you know, jaws drop, looking at all the cool merchandise and stuff, and riding Star Tours. So like, you're really an amb- was... you're really an example of what not to do for Star Wars weekends. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was it was more fun. You know, I had my mom and my my dad with me, my uh, son. We were just walking around, going, "Wow." So, There's a recurring theme here. You have to get yes. there early, and you have to do all these things yes. early because uh, otherwise you will be you'll be regretting it five years later. Well, no, I think actually George <laughs> illustrates a very good point because I have done Star Wars Weekends the same way where I didn't do any of these things, but I had a great, very unique experience because of the music and because of the characters and because of all the yeah. people. You can still have a great time just wandering the parks. Oh, we did. Had a wonderful time. Yeah. 
Absolutely. But I still and you briefly mentioned, and you, bri- <laughs> <laughs> you briefly mentioned uh, um, products that you can buy, and that's another thing that a lot of the specialty products are going to uh, disappear early as well. Yeah, that, yes. that, that's a good segue over to merchandise because I think more so than anything else, these are the lines that not only form quickest, but you really need to be prepared to wait online and to stand online a long time and also be prepared if you're looking for a certain merchandise to possibly be disappointed when you go. Uh, there are two types of merchandise that come out for Star Wars Weekends. There's the regular merchandise that they'll have a large supply of, and there'll be limited edition merchandise, most notably things like pins, sometimes the big figs. They go very, very, very fast. And, and my suggestion would be, if you can get there on Friday and get there early on Friday, go and try and pick up your limited edition merchandise. Get that out of the way. Um, people like I have heard reports... People have waited online four hours to get merchandise and to check out because that's, you know, one of the big things. Again, especially pins. <laughs> yeah, living vicariously through other people's trip reports and on forums and stuff, the past couple of years they've done things with the uh, collectibles different. A couple of years ago, it, they made enough for one weekend and when they sold out, you had to wait until the following weekend to purchase more. Uh, one year, they only made a certain run and that was it. And some things were gone the first couple of days. Right. So you just got to be careful if there's something you really want. And, I mean, what can you say? The, the, the mashup of Star Wars and Disney characters is always phenomenal. Yeah. And always just great, great collectibles. And as I said on a show earlier when I talked about some of the rumored big figs and characters, this year it's great. And I will guarantee you the Darth Maul Donald big fig is going to sell out <laughs> – <laughs> In a matter of minutes, uh, because yeah. I think that's the one that people are, are really, really looking forward to. Yeah, I think the only other character that works as well, I think, is Stitch is the Emperor. And, you know, don't hate me for saying that, but <laughs> Donald as uh, Darth Maul is phenomenal. Yeah, you're going to have Leia. Uh, I'm sorry, you're going to have Queen Amidala as Minnie. Uh, it hasn't been released as yet, but I believe that Mickey is going to be Anakin and Goofy is Jar Jar Goofy's. Binks. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Goofy is Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> that is wonderful. I haven't and, seen that yet. So. Yeah, and if you're on the fence about getting these big figs, I would definitely suggest getting down there and getting them or getting someone to get them for you because they go fast. And then I've seen collections on eBay up in the thousands of dollars range. Yeah, too bad I don't know anybody that lives down there that could get one for me. Hmm. <laughs> Glenn's garage sale is going to be nothing yeah. but big things this summer. <laughs> yeah, Glenn was very quiet there. What was that? Uh, <laughs> I'll post Glenn's telephone number and email address on the site this week. <laughs> but yeah, there's big figs. And again, those are those 24-inch or so resin figures. Um, I have a couple. My Jedi Mickey is, is one of uh, the, the prizes in my collection. There's also limited edition cells. There's posters, a ton of apparel. I will tell you without giving it away that if you are a Star Wars fan and you love Mickey ears, you're going to love something you're going to see this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's just a lot of really, really good stuff. And Tatooine Traders is obviously sort of the, the, the hub to get it. But you can also go to Wicket's Warehouse, and that's on Soundstage 1. And that's right, if you're staring at Toy Story Mania on Pixar Place, it's right to the left of where it is. And that literally is just a a huge place to get merchandise. Uh, I know in the past they used to have a full-scale X-Wing fighter that you could take pictures in front of. I'm not sure if that's coming back or not this year. 
Yeah, I mean, imagine the difference. I mean, most people have probably been inside of the Tatooine Traders. It's a very small shop. Right. And once yeah. Star Tours dumps out into it every minute or so, it gets crowded. And I think the warehouse idea was absolutely brilliant. Just you know, a lot more space to get in and get some stuff. But line up. Line yeah. up and yes. get there early. And you can also, if you don't want to, if you're not really all that concerned about the limited edition merchandise, and, and believe me, things like T-shirts and hats and mugs, they will have a ton of. Here's a couple of touring tips that might help out. You can also get Star Wars Weekend's merchandise over at the Golden Age Souvenirs. That's right next to Sounds Dangerous, starring Drew Carey. The other thing I'd suggest doing is shop during the parades. Uh, If you're not all that concerned with seeing the parades or you've seen it already, go then, because that's when a lot of people will be out. Or during Jedi Training Academy, the lines might be a little bit shorter. But again, allot yourself enough time to check out, because the store is small. There's only two checkout counters. And the crowds are going to be bigger than they normally are. Yes. Yeah, and probably the the one thing you have to watch out for is they have some amazing lightsabers with the uh, the uh, about a hundred dollars a piece. First time somebody puts their hands on one of those in the store, they start waving it around. So somebody's going to get a black <laughs> eye. You mean this one? Be very careful. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's got that one. <laughs> okay. Stop. Wait. Stop shaking your heads. It was a present <sighs> from my dad. All right. He wanted, me, he wanted me to have it when I was old enough. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he didn't want you to follow, you know, Glenn on some idealistic Polish crusade. So. You know, I, I'm going to suggest a new strategy. Let the whoops win. <laughs> Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. <laughs> See, I said last week that I could quote the, the movie line by line, and clearly I'm not the only one. <laughs> but you mentioned star tours and obviously that that is a part of star wars weekends i should note there is nothing different about star tours during star wars weekends other than the fact it is very 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 crowded and you might sit next to a wookie you might sit next to an ewok if i happen to be riding at that time you will find people because people will go and they will ride over and over and over again uh you know we went over it in a lot of detail last week uh, for the show. Uh, again, my suggestion, if you want to ride Star Tours during Star Wars weekend, ride it at the very end of the night, you know, yeah. as the park is just about to close. Yes. All right, so let's really go over some of our, our best tips maybe for how to get the most out of Star Wars weekends. Glenn, why don't you go ahead and give us one of yours and then George. All right, well, if, uh, if one of the things you're really interested in doing is getting merchandise, I'd actually recommend uh, first thing in the morning running over and passing by uh, Midway Mania and going into the, the store back there because people that are going to be beelining to get their uh, big figs are probably going to be running over to the traders right outside of Star Tours. So the other direction isn't as obvious, so you probably have better luck and uh, probably more um, more registers open for you to get the things you're looking for. Yeah, that's that's a great tip, Glenn. Thinking about that, and also don't forget you can send. Uh, if you're staying on a resort property, you can have the items sent back to your room, or even held right. a package pickup, so you don't have to carry that sucker around with you all day, in case somebody else tries to take it or abscond with it. <laughs> uh, the only thing I can think of is, you know, sort of what I mentioned earlier is, you know, be aware of what's going on that day. 
pick and choose what you think you're most excited about or your group is most exciting, excited about. Go ahead and get the fast pass, get in line, show up on time for what you want to do. Uh, beyond that, just enjoy it. <laughs> enjoy the force around us, what, what binds us and brings us together, <laughs> makes us geeks in the Star Wars force as it is, and uh, enjoy the day. Just, you know, you're surrounded. Uh, when, I, when I took my mom and dad in 2004, my mom just looked at me and said, wow, okay, I thought you were bad, but, you know, I apologize now. <laughs> you're not that bad. So, but yeah, just, just enjoy yourself and have a great time. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, even if you choose not to do any of the things, the special events that are going on, you can really, really have a good time if you're a Star Wars fan, just kind of wandering around or browsing through the shops or, or just seeing the other people. It, it's getting so close to the weekends that, that this tip might be inapplicable at this point, but if you are going to go, try your best to get an ADR for lunch or dinner, because the restaurants are also going to be very, very crowded, and again, plan accordingly, because you know everybody's going to want to eat at exactly the same time, so <laughs> maybe be a little more flexible with your dining plans, but George, you talked about going with your mom and dad, who maybe are not the, the uber geeks that we might be. Let's also maybe talk about tips for non-Star Wars fans who say, you know what, this is just not for me. Maybe I don't want to do this. How do, here's a couple of questions. What kind of suggestions would you have for those people? And then I'm going to ask you another question about something else that's going on that weekend. Ooh, sounds mysterious. Um, <laughs> thinking about, if you're not a big Star Wars fan, uh, it, what brings to mind is we were on the bus heading there and... We pulled up at the front gate and somebody just interjected, you know, oh my goodness, what is going on here? And I was like, oh, it's Star Wars weekend. It's like, oh no, somebody should have told me about this. I had no idea. She was like afraid she was going to be surrounded by guys in their bathrooms with their lightsabers, which actually kind of happened. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's still, you know, it's still a great park, even if you're not a Star Wars fan. It's such an amazing experience to be there. Because, as you mentioned earlier, they are playing different music. You've got different walk-around characters. So if you're not a big Star Wars fan, you can go there and, and laugh and make fun of all the rest of us. As, you know, we're walking <laughs> around pretty much dumbfounded. But it, honestly, it might be a better opportunity to visit another park. Because it is going to be a lot more crowded, especially around the Star Tours area, the merchandise spots, and a lot more rabid people running around than normal. So, you know, might want to pick something else to do that day. But, it, it, you know, it, it's still a great experience. Right, and it is. I mean, seeing these Star Wars characters walking around is. It actually reminds me of when the studios first opened, and they were more of an active studio. And it's almost like there is something special going on at that moment. So it does add a lot of character having them walking around. Uh, but like George was saying, you you might want to consider uh, visiting the Animal Kingdom on that day. Yeah, and I think that's great advice. And if you go Monday through Thursday, nothing is really going on Star Wars wise, so you don't have to really worry about it. But you, you know, in talking about other things that are going on. How do you think the opening of Toy Story Mania, which is going to take place just a couple of days before Star Wars weekend starts, how do you think that's going to affect the crowds? And how do you think that's going to affect the people that may not want to participate in Star Wars? Glenn, you should probably go first because, you know, some famous podcaster did not fly me down for that press weekend to experience it. So <laughs> I haven't done it yet. So, you know, that might be a better question for Glenn to answer. <clears throat> well, since it, it, it's just open for about a week at that point officially, uh, it's still going to have people are going to be uh, shuttling in to see this. Uh, so th it might make for especially the first few weekends of the, this Star Wars weekends will probably be one of the busiest since they've begun. 
Yeah, actually, if you think about it, there probably are going to be a lot of people just going for the Toy Story Midway Mania in and of itself, you know, regardless of anything else. And I would have a feeling most of the uh, Star Wars fans are going to be heading towards the Star Wars events, and it might be a good opportunity to ride the Midway Mania, but I assume as the day goes by, that ride's going to remain as popular as ever. So right. maybe they could retheme it for Star Wars. <laughs> well, I actually <laughs> thought about it this way. You know, I was wondering if the opening of Toy Story Mania taken going on these Star Wars weekends really might actually help dilute the crowds a little bit at some yeah. of these other Star Wars events. So maybe Star Tours won't be as crowded as it might have been. Maybe the merchandise shops won't be as packed. Yeah, that's a pretty, pretty good guess. I bet you, uh, you'll be able to get on Tower of Terror in about 10 minutes. <laughs> True. Playhouse Disney, the lines are going to be huge. <laughs> Especially with the addition of the Clone Wars characters <laughs> right. to the Playhouse Disney, yes, and the, the Voyage of the Little Mermaid. So. And, you know, that's other something else. And just as a quick aside. It's Jabba's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. If you have young kids, number one, keep them away from Glenn. And number two... Remember that if you have very young kids and they see some of these very large, very intimidated, very oh, hairy characters yeah. like George walking around, <laughs> they might be startled. They might be scared. So just maybe yeah. either sit them down in front of them and make them watch all six movies ahead of time or prepare them. I'm, I'm going to tell you, Lou, that's not going to make a difference. My, my son has played every Star Wars video game imaginable, <laughs> has watched all the movies with me since he was, you know, like two weeks old. And, you know, we were coming around the corner right by Star Tours by the speeder bike, which is always there to get your picture on. And uh, uh, a core of clone troopers came around the corner and I can see his body stiffening. <laughs> we went to get our picture and it's one of my favorite pictures because he looks like this guy is going to kill him. And he was so scared of this clone troop. It's a wonderful picture. You know, I think, gosh, I must be a bad father. But, uh, <laughs> of course, I was much more relaxed in my picture. With it. <laughs> but, but it was just one of those things. It's just like a normal character. These guys, uh, the characters are over six feet tall, and they are massive, all in their armor. It's, you know, pretty scary. Now, I know how the rebellion fell. Uh, <laughs> ne ne never mind. Yeah. Right, well, here, here's a question for you. Having been to Star Wars weekends in the past... Do you think for somebody that hasn't gone, you think this is a reason to go or make a special trip or kind of go specifically for Star Wars weekends? If you're a Disney, if you're a Disney fan, maybe. If you're a Star Wars fan, uh, definitely, because you know there's no new Star Wars, big Star Wars films coming out. Sure, there's going to be a television series in this in this animated feature, but I think the uh, the the big Star Wars movements I don't think are going to happen any longer. So this this might be something that will over time uh, become you know less and less of a uh, of a novelty yeah it's as Glenn as you mentioned there was when they started the Star Wars weekends right after they re-released the original trilogy and the only other thing that happened fairly often besides the comic cons was the Star Wars celebrations that they had and um, that was one of the bigger things this is such an amazing event uh, to to go to, to experience, to be part of. I mean, you really feel like you know, there's these characters walking around. It's great. Uh, but as we mentioned before, if you're just a regular Disney fan, uh, yeah, probably uh, <laughs> you might enjoy it. You get a good laugh out of what's going on. If you're a, a Star Wars fan at all, or if somebody that uh, is in your family or that you know is a Star Wars fan, you go with them. It's 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 great. I love it. I would highly recommend. I think you need to do it. And you know, nobody knows how much longer they are going to do it. Yeah, hopefully for many, many years to come, though. Sure. Right. And the beauty is that it's not, you know, unlike something like the celebration event that 
only happens over a couple of days uh, once a year. And actually, I think it's in Japan this year. This is something that you can do over four weekends. So you don't have to worry about missing it. You you have a, a big opportunity to go see different celebrities. There's a lot of stuff to see, a lot of stuff to do. And the beauty of this, too, is that it's fun for kids and it's fun for adults. And it's fun for guys like us and people of our generation who, even if you go without your kids, you know you're still going to have a good time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and and <laughs> based on this conversation, you see, we do, don't even need to have kids to have fun and <laughs> start spouting out lines from the movie. So... <laughs> You don't need to see his fast pass. <laughs> These aren't the dorks we're looking for. Well, you know, I, I think this will be a day long remembered. It's seen the end of Mangello and we'll soon see the end of this podcast. So. Move along. Move along. <laughs> so, all right. George Taylor from the Imagine Nerding blog and Glenn Whalen from Passamaquoddy. Guys, thanks so much for coming on and... Uh, Really helping embarrass myself in front, of, uh, in front of listeners. But, you know, again, it's all in good fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to heading down in just a couple of weeks. May the force be with you. I was going to say that. Dang. And also ah. with you. And also with you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lou. <laughs> As we get ready for the busy summer season, while we're touring the parks, not only are we going to have additional time spent in an attractions queue, but with longer hours and so much more to see, we might actually be spending some additional time exploring the parks, as I've been encouraging you to do for so long. And one of the best places to spend time doing just that is Disney's Animal Kingdom. And one particular area that you might not spend as much time as you should is over at Rafiki's Planet Watch and Conservation Station. And beyond all that there is to see and do over there, a favorite pastime of many guests, both young and old, is seeking out Hidden Mickeys. So I once again want to welcome back Steve Barrett. He's the author of the Hidden Mickeys Field Guides to Walt Disney World and Disneyland and owner of HiddenMickeysGuide.com to come on Tell us about a few of his favorites, maybe some tricky Mickeys that are hard to find, and then he'll probably enlist your help in deciding on some questionable ones. So, Steve, welcome back. Always good to be on the show, Lou. Yeah, thanks for coming back again. And again, Steve, we're going to stick with a particular theme and place. And today, like I said, we're looking at Planet Watch and Conservation Station. Very overlooked, very underappreciated sections of the park. Don't you agree? I agree. I agree. I I love going out to Conservation Station it, it's, and Rafiki's Planet Watch. That, that area, I consider a, a real treasure trove of hidden Mickeys. It's a great place to visit to spot hidden Mickeys. Yeah, when I was preparing for this and looking at your site, I mean, I saw, especially for a somewhat out of the way, you know, kind of off the beaten path, you have to take the train to get over there. There, You're right, a treasure trove is, I mean, you have, there's a ton of hidden Mickeys in, in a relatively small area. Yes, I, I have 39 hidden Mickeys. Uh, from Conservation Station and Rafiki's Planet Watch on my website. 
and I'm, I'm reviewing three new ones, two, two that people have sent me by email and through my site, and one that a cast member showed me out there that she's very proud of. All right, so let's give, when, when people, next time they head out there, let's give people something else fun to do if they're not maybe taking your book along with you or they can print these out. Give me a couple of your favorites over at Planet Watch or, or Conservation Station. That, that's a great question because I, I love all the Hidden Mickeys out there. In fact, I love all Hidden Mickeys, just some better than others. But um, I, there, there's, I, I can talk about maybe three or so of my favorite ones at Conservation Station. One is, is that I really like is a smiling Mickey image on a frog. And he's, if you go into Conservation Station, there's, as you, as you recall, there's a large murals on the walls both to your right and in front of you and, and to the left and as you recall the hall back to the main lobby is to your left and the the frog image is is on the left mural near the floor not too far from the big hippopotamus that you see first but it's a it's a it's a frog staring at you and he's got black and yellow stripes on him and under his right eye, which is on your left side as you're looking at the frog, there's, there's a wonderful hidden smiling Mickey there. And he's hard to see. It's just, it's just the front of his face. And it, as I say, it's not obvious, but once you spot it, it's just, it's just amazing. I love showing this hidden Mickey to people because most of them don't, don't see it. And that mural has a lot of hidden Mickeys in it, doesn't it? Yes, yes. And uh, the people there are proud of those Mickeys because the, the mural was... Um, was um, damaged a few years ago from some flooding and it had to be repainted and one of the uh, artists contacted me by email Um, he repainted the mural and he forgot to put in some of the hidden mickeys that were there and the night janitor reminded him and scolded him to to put those mickeys back and uh, he he did he replaced uh, the Mickeys that were there. So the, the people there, the cast members, are very proud of these hidden Mickeys, and and they'll show you a bunch of them, if, you know, if you ask. And again, there's I have 39 of them on my website, so I don't know that they'll take you to every one of them. But um, if you take my book along, you can you can pretty much um, walk through Conservation Station and find them all. And and certainly, if you're doing that, show them to the people around you because many of the visitors don't don't uh, appreciate these hidden Mickey's. May not even know what hidden Mickey's are. Well, one thing that I found is that if you if you walk through Walt Disney World and you stare at a specific location and start taking pictures of it and, and pointing it out, people will stop and they'll stop to see exactly what you're doing. And, and I've Absolutely. done that with friends in the queue of pirates. And, and, you know, you can stare at a blank wall and start, people are like, wow, do you see that? You know, they'll, they'll find the hidden Mickey or whatever it is that you're looking for. So That is so true. That is so true. When I'm doing research out there and, and looking, yes, people will come up to me and ask me what I'm doing. So that's a good way to educate folks and get them interested in hidden Mickeys. Or get, so they, get them to think that you're crazy for staring at what appears to be a blank wall. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But so, they, another one, another really cool one is um, a little further along the left side of that mural, just before you get to the central lobby, it's high up towards the ceiling, and it's a partial classic Mickey on a fish. It's hard to see again. That's, I, I love the ones that are hard to find. So you have to look up towards the ceiling, and you look for a yellow fish with spots on them. And uh, three of those spots form a great plastic Mickey, except it's partial. 
It's the left lower part of that classic Mickey image is hidden by a octopus, part of an octopus. So it's a, it's a partial classic Mickey image. It's it's obviously there when you spot it and and uh, get a photo of it. So it's it's a, a clever clever hidden Mickey place by the artist. All right, let me ask you a question because this picture I'm looking at it now on your website and it is very obscure, especially because yeah. it's it's partially hidden and all the dots kind of look like the rest of the dots. I know a lot of people send you hidden Mickeys, and that's, and that's one way that you find them. But when you're out saying, okay, you know, I've got my laser pointer and I've got my camera in hand and I'm searching out hidden Mickeys, will you just go and pick a spot like this mural and just stare at it for, for hours? And I don't mean that as a joke. I mean, seriously, when you're searching out hidden Mickeys, is that, is that what you do? You'll sit yes. there and just kind of look at, at something, hoping to find one? Correct. Absolutely, Lou. Now, I don't have to do that as often anymore because I get so many emails from people, you know, and so I have, a, you know, the, there's a great um, a group of folks out there that are searching for them along with me. So I spend most of my time verifying images that people send me. So I don't spend as much time finding new ones on my own anymore. I used to, you know, when I first wrote the book back in 2002. That's uh, that was all of what I did, but but now I have so many images that people send me to to verify that that's what I spend my time doing mostly. Gotcha. Now, when there's a new attraction that that opens up, like Toy Story Mania, I'm gonna obviously I'm gonna scour that new ride uh, on my own. But I'm I'm already getting images from that from that attraction that people are sending me. And I think you're gonna have your hands full with that because there seems yeah. to be a whole lot of good stuff in there. Absolutely. So, the, the the last one I wanted to mention, I think it's the smallest hidden Mickey that I've ever seen, and it's on a fly at the Fiki's Planet Watch. If you go into the central lobby and and turn left at the first entrance to the Song of the Rainforest area, there, there's a mural on the side there, and there are a number of flies painted on the on the mural one of the flies has a very tiny white classic mickey on his back on the back of his abdomen and it's a it is really small but it's fun to spot it's not easy to find because the fly is so small but it's a great classic mickey and i think it it's i haven't measured the small ones yet that, that I've found, but I think it's the smallest one I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture as well. And, you know, again, I wonder how somebody was able to spot that for the very first time. I see a, a reader sent that to you. But the, the right. one question I had when we were thinking about Conservation Station was that I remember many years ago we had Minnie Moo in Birthday Land. She was a cow that had a natural black hidden Mickey spot on her back and she has since moved on to greener pastures, pardon the pun but what about over at a place like Affection Section where we have uh, other live animals, are are there any more real animals that have maybe some natural or you know man-made hidden Mickeys on them? Yes Uh, for, for a while now the cast members at Affection Section have tried to keep and they maintain a hidden Mickey classic Mickey image on a goat and they'll shave it they'll shave the Mickey image on the goat either on the side of the goat or the back and 
and they, they do a pretty good job with maintaining that. And I was out there a few weeks ago, and they had shaved a hidden mini, uh, or a classic mini image on a goat's back. Uh, and the way they did that is they made a bow at the top of the three-circle classic Mickey, or in this case, mini image. So they, they do a really good job with that. And... Uh, you know, by the way, when I was when I was there, I, I when I when I'm at Disney World, I carry my uh, sort of a loose briefcase kind of thing with papers in it, and I uh, I was back in a section section with my briefcase, but and some of my papers were exposed, and sure enough, one of the goats grabbed one of my uh, Mickey pages <laughs> and chewed most of it up. Uh, thankfully, one of the uh, one of the guests there retrieved part of it, so I figured out which one it was, so I didn't lose it forever. <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> and then, the, and, and then, and then, of course, the cast members are walking around saying, "Don't bring any papers back here," you know. So that was a mistake I made. It was kind of funny, though. It was a funny scene. But yeah, the cast members do a good job with uh, the Mickey's at affection section. I, it's fun to go back, and it changes periodically. You know, the goats are their, their fur is going to grow and. And things are going to change, so they they periodically, probably every few weeks or maybe once a month, they will uh, have to maintain a Mickey image on one of the animals. It's usually one of the goats. You ever get any of your readers, because I know I get them sometimes, and usually I, I forward them on to you. You ever get any readers that send you, hey, look, my cat has a hidden Mickey or my you know fish has a hidden Mickey on its side? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. On my website, um, in the, uh, I believe I put it in the questionable section. Uh, because I think those are those are uh, interesting images, and some of them are, you know, fairly convincing. I mean, if we accept Minnie Moo, and by the way, you know, you can see Minnie Moo, uh, her, uh, her photo, uh, both in uh, Yasmin Steakhouse and also at Fort Wilderness in the in the in the livery stable where the horses are kept. So they they keep a photo uh, of her there too. But in the in the questionable section of my website and under others, I put in uh, those hidden Mickey animals, and I have uh, I have a couple of puppy hidden Mickeys and a fish hidden Mickey on there now. The, the ones that look particularly convincing to me. So yeah, I, I like those images, and people do send me images like that periodically. Yeah, and it's that, great. That are fun. And that's know. the thing. It, you know, people seem to be seeking them out, or you know. Like like they're trying to find the Virgin Mary on a piece of toast. They're they're finding them in, in <laughs> eggs, and they're finding them you know around their house and and bubbles on the bottom of their shower. So it's, it's a lot fun. of yeah. It's a lot of fun. And by the way, when I I was out uh, recently, and one of the cast members, um, she didn't want me to mention her name, but she was one of the characters out there, and she showed me a, hit, a new hidden Mickey. I I didn't know about it, but it's. Uh, it's at that first entrance where you see the fly hidden Mickey, and you look straight up over your head to some leaves overhead, and there's a, there's a classic Mickey hole in, in one of the leaves up there. So I, I haven't put that on my website yet. It's a little bit distorted, and uh, I may have people vote on it in the questionable section first, but it's a pretty good image, and the cast member was very happy about it. So that's a new one that uh, I, I may put them up on, on my website. And that's the great thing about it, is that it really does add 
another dimension to your trip. You can do it just casually while you're waiting in a queue or walking around. And I see young kids with your book in the park all the time, kind of seeking things right. out. And it really keeps them engaged and occupied, and it's, and it's a fun thing to do. And like I said, even when people are home, they're looking for them in movies or looking for them you know, in their breakfast cereal, <laughs> but it's, right. uh, it, and that's what makes it a lot of fun. And that's why uh, I, I like having you come on to kind of point some of these out and, and help people explore their way through the parks. Again, Steve's books are the Hidden Mickey's Field Guides to both Walt Disney World and Disneyland. You can also visit his website at hiddenmickeysguide.com. There you could submit your own with photos. You can help Steve vote on some questionable ones. Steve, of course, I want to have you back on the show again. And you're going to be at Magic Meets this summer. So if anybody is looking to meet you face to face and and hear you talk about Hidden Mickey some more, they can meet you out in uh, Campbell, Pennsylvania this summer. Yes, yes. Always a pleasure, Lou. Always a pleasure. Thanks very much, buddy. All right. This week's listener feedback section is going to start with an email from Ted Knapp from New York who said, Greetings, Lou. Love the show. My wife, a five-year-old son, and I are visiting Walt Disney World December 6th through the 15th. We're staying at Port Orleans Riverside. And my question is this. Is there a folding privacy divider available for our room that would separate the beds at night? Our son falls asleep better with as few distractions as possible. Any help would be appreciated, Ted Ted, as far as I know, there is no privacy divider between the beds. There is a curtain that you can pull between the sleeping area and the bathroom sink area, but there's nothing in between the beds. You might be able to call ahead in advance of your arrival and talk to somebody at the front desk or talk to a manager to see. I actually called Riverside for you. I did speak to a female cast member at the front desk. She told me that they do not have any privacy dividers that she knows of. But again, if you call down ahead of time, they might be able to do something to help accommodate you. Next email comes from Tom in Atlanta who said, Lou, long-time listener, love the show. I have a question about the museum they have in Future World that has exhibits, pictures, and other cool things from Epcot's past in the Epcot Museum that celebrates 25 years. I was in Walt Disney World during the week of April 16th and the museum was not opened, which really bummed me out because I was anxious to see it. However, when my sister and her husband went the week of May 4th, it was open. Why was it closed when I was there? I thought it was closed a while back. Are they going to have it open sporadically so that you'll just have to test your luck and see if it's open? I'm going back to the mouse in November and would love to have the opportunity to see it if, in fact, they keep it open for that long. Many thanks. Tom, you're talking about the Epcot Creating the World of Tomorrow Gallery. That, like you said, celebrates the past 25 years of Epcot. That's located in Interventions West in Future World. From what I understand, it is open every day. You might have just caught it on a day that maybe it was closed for a private event or they were doing some sort of work or refurbishment in there. But from what I understand, there is no specific date set to close that exhibit as of yet. I haven't heard anything officially from Disney or even as a rumor. So probably when you head back down in November, it should be open. Next email is from Molly, who said, Lou, I love the podcast. Help me settle a debate I had with my mom. Do you sing the jingle or theme song at the beginning of your podcast? I say no. She says yes. Who buys dinner at California Grill during our upcoming visit? Thanks, Molly. Molly, mom is buying dinner because if you've ever heard me sing, and I guarantee you that you never have and probably never will, you'll know that I did not sing uh, 
any part of the opening theme song for the show. That was actually by Dave Rashoni and his wife, Kathy. They came up with the idea for the song. They sent it in to me. And fortunately for you, they sing it and not me. Now, actually, a number of listeners have emailed me and asked me if I would put that up. I did put it up for download in the download section of DisneyWorldTrivia.com. A number of you had also emailed me and said you remember hearing sort of a full version with more vocals in it that I did play at one point. I did when they first sent me it. Right now, what you hear at the beginning of the show is just sort of an abbreviated version. But here's a little clip from the full version of the WDW radio show theme song, Fortunately for You and Unfortunately for Your Mom, not being sung by me. W-D-W radio. You found that spot on the dial Give a listen and stay for a while Time for us to say hello WDW Radio News and rumors and interviews Trivia, history and reviews All the dizzy stuff you need to know WDW Radio It's time to hear all about Thanks again to Dave and his wife for not only producing the song, but not asking me to sing it. And speaking of Dave, I want to make a quick mention here. Dave actually just started a new blog, and you'd be saying to yourself, that's just what I need, another Disney blog to have to go to. But this one's a little bit different. It's about one of my favorite topics, Disney music. I'll put a link up in this week's show notes, but you can go and visit insidedisneymusic.blogspot.com. Dave's going to write all about the composers and the lyricists and the arrangers and everybody that performs and writes the music from the movies and Broadway to the theme parks. He's already started off with a four-part series about the Disney film composers that I think you're really going to enjoy. Again, I'll put the link up in the show notes. But again, that's insidedisneymusic.blogspot.com. Next email says, Hey Lou, first of all, I'm a huge fan of the show. I've listened since show one and to you before even then and love to get my weekly Disney fix by listening. Keep up the great work. Anyway, I'm currently planning a last minute trip to attend Star Wars weekends with the main goal of nabbing the mini Big Fig this year. I'm trying to figure out whether or not they'll release one Big Fig per weekend like last year or if they'll release them all at once. I'm hoping it's one per weekend with mini being released on the 13th as that would allow the trip to coincide with my birthday, thus allowing me to experience my first Kungaloosh over at the Adventures Club as well. Also, since Star Wars Weekends starts next week, I don't think I'll have the time to get down there before the 13th anyway, so I sure hope they do spread out the releases. I've tried searching about it online and even called Walt Disney World merchandise, but couldn't find out any more information. In fact, the only thing I did find out was that it's rumored that the figures have been delayed and that you'd only be able to order them at the event and then have them shipped when they're ready. Have you heard this? God, I hope not. Thanks for your help and continuing to provide such an entertaining and informative podcast each week. Hope to be able to get down there soon as I'm seriously in Disney withdrawal right now. That comes from Michael Seaman. Michael, first, I have not heard the rumor about the figures being delayed, and I sure hope not, because I think that's going to leave a lot of very disappointed people there, especially if they have to pay for shipping, uh, as opposed to being able to walk in, pick them up, and not have to worry about that. So I think people will be disappointed uh, on a number of levels, unless, of course, they offer some sort of free shipping 
because the the items are delayed. I also thought that they were going to come out with all the figures the first weekend, but I very well might be wrong with that. It could be that they do release them once per weekend. Again, I'm not sure how that would play for people like myself that are going down the first weekend and might not be able to pick out some of the figures that are going to be released later on in the month. Now, with all that being said, I did mention in the news section that over at StarWars.com, they do have a gallery of images of merchandise that is coming out this Star Wars weekend. It should be noted that in that gallery of images, there are no images of any of the Star Wars big figs. So maybe that does lend some credibility to the rumor. But I will say as a quick aside that the Star Wars Muppet figures look very cool. I think they're going to be very, very popular. But anyway, so I'm really not sure what's going to happen with the big figs. Um, I, Like I said, I will be there for that first weekend. I will definitely try and report on what I see merchandise-wise and about the big figs when I get back. Next email is from Sean and Sergeant Melissa DeVore from Georgia. And they said, Lou, my family and I are going to leave for Walt Disney World on June 8th. And after doing some checking, we noticed that stroller prices have gone way up in the past from about $17 to $31 per day for a double stroller. We decided to spend about $30 on a used stroller to take with us, but had planned on using the strollers there until we found this out. We're just curious why the huge increase. My main problem with it is that it mostly affects young families with small children who, in a lot of cases, are on a budget to begin with. This won't stop me from going to Disney because it's the best place in the world for a vacation, but I'm just curious about your thoughts on the subject. I also thought that people might want to know about the increase before they get there, because if we hadn't found out about it prior to getting there, it would have been some serious sticker shock. Love the show. Look forward to it every week and keep up the great work. Sean and Melissa, I can't and I and I won't speculate as to how or why the stroller price increase, although I do know it is the first increase in prices in I think three or more years. But that being said, you do make a good point about the increase in price and how it might affect uh, people that have young kids like myself. I have I have two young kids, both of whom are still in the stroller. We take our stroller, and, and yes, it's sort of taken a beating back and forth on the plane, but there are other alternatives as well. One, I do know that Disney now sells strollers in Walt Disney World. I believe they are sort of like these deluxe umbrella strollers. They have a, a sunshade, a small storage basket. I've seen ones with a little uh, Mickey fan on it as well. I'm not sure if that's an add-on to it as well. I believe that those cost... Uh, somewhere around $40 or so. If you have a car and you're driving, another great idea is to stop at some place like a Target or a Walmart or a Walgreens. There's one right by the crossroads near downtown Disney. You can pick up a small umbrella stroller for about $19. And even if you end up not taking it back with you or sort of paying it forward and giving it to another family that might be coming in the park with a small child and no stroller, you might be saving money off the daily rental if you're not really looking to spend that much. But like I said, I'd rather not try and speculate as to why there is the, the increase in stroller prices, but I wanted to give you a couple of alternatives in case you were looking to do something like that. Last question this week comes from Frank in Orlando. said, Lou, always thanks for your work on the podcast. Several times in the past, you, a guest, or an emailer has mentioned staying at Epcot until the gas blow-off, if that's the correct term, after illuminations. Could you tell me about how long after Illuminations this occurs? And on a related note, how long could you wander around World Showcase after Illuminations before cast members start giving you the need to leave look? If, it, if I'm sitting somewhere waiting for the gas burn-off, is a cast member going to tell me to move along before the event, or do they sort of know what I'm waiting for? Thanks, Frank. Frank, what you're talking about, like I said, is the burn-off, and that takes place uh, about an hour and a half 
after illumination. So you're looking about 1030, 1040 probably. That's when the Inferno Barge basically burns off any extra propane that is left in the tanks. It's sort of a, a very one-time sort of big flame that rises up in the center of World Showcase Lagoon, but it's very cool to look at. Most cast members, whether you're wandering the promenade or if you're just sitting around, probably know why you might be waiting there and will let you stay. Um, I, I've done that a number of times in the past, and it usually is until about, you know, 11, maybe 11.15, 11.20, depending on the cast member, depending on what you're doing, that they'll start giving you the, you know, please start kind of making your way to the exit look. But for the most part, cast members won't bother you and will let you stay a relatively long time, even after the park has started to shut down. You might even still find some stores are still open. Mouse Gears, I know, will stay open very, very late, sort of getting those uh, last stragglers on their way out, giving them a chance to get some souvenirs. So uh, you can stay pretty long and certainly long enough to watch the Illuminations Inferno Barge burn off. So that's all the time I have for listener feedback this week. If you want to have your question read on the air, please send it in to lou at wdwradio.com. Or if you want to be on the air yourself, you can call the voicemail at 206-202-4WDW. That's 206-202-4939. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Special thanks to Steve Barrett, Glenn Whalen, and George Taylor for joining me this week. As I said, I will be heading down to cover Star Wars weekends later on this week. And if you'll be there in the parks, I hope to see you there as well. I will be recording live from Disney's Hollywood Studios during the events. So even though I'm not sure exactly where I'll be and when, please come over and say hello if you happen to see me in the parks. If you want to be on the air or if you have a segment suggestion, a question, or a comment, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com or call the voicemail at 206-202-4939. That's 206-202-4WDW. A couple of quick notes before we end the show this week. I want to say a special thanks to MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, my recommended travel provider. They are dedicated to giving back to the community, and this month they've let me know that they've selected my Dream Team project as their charity of choice. So if you book any sort of vacation package or cruise with them through June 30th of this year, they will make a donation to uh, my Dream Team project. They have a number of specials and packages going on right now. Remember, you can get the free dining if you book by June 22nd for most nights through August 24th through September 20th, 2008. A number of other things going on. You can visit them by clicking on the link in our show notes page or visiting mousefantravel.com. Speaking of traveling, with air travel getting so expensive and airlines like American Airlines starting to charge upwards of $30 per bag for every bag that you bring, not including the heavy bags if they're over the the weight limit, now might be the right time to try out Owner's Locker to see how you can store some of the things that you bring down to Walt Disney World on all of your visits in a secure storage locker that is brought to and from your resort. You can visit our show notes page or ownerslocker.com for more information. Over at WDWRadio.com, you can check out our new site. You can also read our full show notes there, get links to topics I discussed on the show, find photos, etc. You can also find, only on the website, exclusive offers from some of my partners like All-Star Vacation Homes, where you can get a rental car plus a $50 gift card with your seven-night stay in any of their three-, four-, or five-star resorts. You can visit All-Star Vacation Homes through the link on the website in order to take advantage of that offer. 
Be sure and stay tuned over the next couple of weeks as I have more exciting segments planned as well as some announcements to make. And remember, if you are a new listener, please go back, visit our show notes archives, check out some of my older shows. Most of the information there is not time-specific. I think there's a lot of interviews and segments there that you're really going to enjoy. We also have the now enhanced DSI segments available as free downloads over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. There you can get some images to go along with some of the Disney scene investigation segments that Jeff and I covered right now. There's the Echo Lake DSI as well as the Jungle Cruise queue. Look for more of those coming up. And special thanks to Ball Bousquet for putting those up for us. And if you want to comment on anything you heard on the show, you can post your feedback on the forums at DisneyWorldTrivia.com in the WDW Radio Show forums. Please review the show in iTunes if you enjoy it. More importantly, please help spread the words and let others know about it. And remember that even though I may be a little bit short to be a stormtrooper, size matters not. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in again. See ya! That's where we found this boy Oh my, my This here Anakin guy Maybe Vader someday later Now he's just a small fry And he left his home And kissed his mommy goodbye Saying soon I'm gonna be a Jedi Soon I'm gonna be a Jedi Hey, Lou, this is uh, Ed from Kansas City, and we're here at our last night at the Pop Century Resort before we return home to KC, and uh, I had a chance to ride Toy Story Mania after listening to your report on it. Um, They did do a lot. They had it open quite a bit, even though I know it wasn't scheduled to be open full-time yet. Uh, We were on it the Sunday before Memorial Day. Uh, The wait queue got up to 80 minutes, but we were able to get a fast pass and get on. And actually, um, here on Wednesday the 28th, we were able to ride it three times in the same day. Uh, the second time, the, the ride crashed entirely, and the cast members had to come around and let us out of the cars manually one by one. Uh, but it actually got us a free fast pass to come back for our third time late in the day, so it was worth it. And we had just finished riding when we got stuck for about 15 or 20 minutes on the ride. What an incredible uh, experience it was. But had a great time down here. Love listening to your show. You do a great job, and keep it up. Thanks. Hey, Lou. This is Tony from Ocean View, New Jersey. Today is Wednesday, May 28th. Just got off riding Toy Story Midway Mania. What an amazing ride that is. Um, the kids enjoyed it. The adults enjoyed it. I only scored 148000 but, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. I got to ride it twice today. It's, uh, it's a wonderful day here. Crowds are medium. Um, weather's beautiful. Keep up the great work on the show. Talk to you later. We were singing, my, my, this here Anakin guy. Maybe Vader someday later, now he's just a small fry. He left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye, saying soon I'm gonna be a Jedi. Let's go out with something really hot for these folks. A big hit out of 77. Ah, Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. Give me the Star Wars. Don't let them in. Ah, Star Wars. If they should fire wars, please let these Star Wars.
it up. Fuzzball. 